Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Sean, it's great to be back at the kitchen table. And we have a good friend, a great guest, um, especially on this topic that has been consuming us, which is the rise of China. Um, and, and particularly, you know, in this moment that we're in, but also you know, I'm obsessed with Latin America. So let's just bring in Mike Gallagher, um, congressman from Wisconsin, a friend of ours. Mike, you have been really on the forefront, probably more so than, you know, 99% of all your other members on, on the issue of China. Let's just start right let's, off. Just to be clear, Mike, Mike chairs the sub, or the, the, the select committee on China. Yes. Um, number one. And you, and you missed part of the intro, which is he comes not only from, he's, you know, good member, good on China, but he comes from the greatest state in the union. Oh, I forgot. The greatest um, state in the union. And, and he used to come from a, a city that had a great football team, which has been a little bit uh, rough this, <laughs> this year, Mr. Gallagher. So with that intro, thanks for joining us at the Kitchen Temple, Mike. So let, let's, let, yeah, as, as Rachel mentioned, let's talk about China, the work that the committee is doing. Um, what are the goals of the committee? How do we, how do we uh, get China under wraps? How do we get a unified message from America, whether it's business, politicians, um, our electorate to make sure we can fight back, push back, and actually win. Or, or better yet, what scares you the most about China? Well, it's great to be with. It's great to be with you. I intend to. Uh, my, what scares me the most is that I will disappoint you in this podcast because I hold you both in such high regard, and I intend to exploit as much of the time as possible to get parenting advice from you. Because um, we, we, let's do that. Let's make sure we do that. Let's ask. Yeah, so, so Mike well, Gallagher's three-year-old and a one-year-old daughter. Vexing. Parenting problems. All yes. right, we'll, we'll get we'll, to that. We'll find a way to like, I'll connect that to China somehow. <laughs> um, well, okay, so the committee, like why, why establish the committee? Then Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy created it because I think for at least two reasons. One, he recognized, and I would say most members of Congress recognize that China, or specifically the Chinese Communist Party, is our greatest national security threat. I mean, we have these debates about, do we call them a threat, a competitor? an enemy, an adversary. I mean, the point is, there is no more complex challenge on the world stage than how we deal with the Chinese Communist Party over the next 10 months and 10 years, if not 20, 30 years. And two, because this isn't just a military challenge, it's also an economic challenge, a technological challenge, an ideological challenge. You need a select committee that can cut across committee jurisdictions to identify, okay, what are the things we can get done in this Congress, 
uh, where are the gaps in our current approach? And also, and finally, I would say a lot of what we do is communicating or trying to communicate to our colleagues in Congress and the American people why, why any of it matters, right? Like why someone in Wausau should care about the threat posed by the CCP or someone in Green Bay or, or take your pick. Um, and that I, I, you know, I think though the, the views of China among Americans are, are hardening and becoming more hawkish. I don't think it's always obvious why this CCP is something your average American could care about unless they've had a job destroyed because of China's predatory trade and economic pr uh, practices, or they've been the victim of uh, what's called transnational repression, or their business has been hacked by Chinese cyber actors. So that's, that's what we do uh, on the committee. Uh, and I'll pause there, having forgot the second part of your question. Uh, I asked you what scares you the most. Uh, you, well, I, I guess I'm most preoccupied, and maybe this reflects my bias coming into this debate, not as a China expert, but kind of as a military and intel guy. If you start to think through what the consequences of a war with China would look like, in other words, if, cool. if deterrence in the Pacific breaks down in the way that it broke down in Europe, in Ukraine, uh, in the way that it seems to be breaking down in the Middle East right now, I think it would it has the potential to make those two conflicts look timid in comparison and would be yeah. more comparable to something resembling a world war. I mean, what China is doing in terms of their military buildup right now, it's unprecedented in modern history. You'd have to go back to World War II to see a similar military buildup. And what's unique about it is that we're dealing with a challenger that not only ha is this formidable of a military threat, but is by some metrics surpassed us economically. So if you combined all the Axis powers in World War II, even combined, they never represented more than 60% of America's GDP. China passed that mark in 2014. And again, it, by some metrics, has, has already surpassed us. And we're so thoroughly entangled with China. So I'm really most concerned about well, deterrence across the Taiwan Strait breaking down because it would be incredibly destructive economically and would cost thousands of lives. I mean, one, one U.S. carrier gets sunk by a Chinese missile, that's 5,000 lives. That's almost the, the number we lost in 20 years of war in Iraq and Afghanistan. So that, that concerns me the most. There are other aspects of it that concern me too. So you, you talked about you know, the, the question of how do we deal with China, right? So again, I, I agree, it's, it's bringing light to the issue, the real threat that China poses for the average American, they should understand it. And by the way, I'm impressed. I mean, this, this is not easy and, and you need a lot of kudos. I don't know that you get enough kudos on this but you have kept the committee truly bipartisan. Um, you guys work together, Republicans and Democrats. Um, this this doesn't veer off in a conservative or a liberal fashion. It's it's down the middle of this is an American threat, not a Republican or Democrat threat. But you talked about how do we deal with the the Communist Chinese Party militarily, economically, and do you guys do you guys have an answer to that? Do you have a vision on that that you're working towards in the messaging or in the hearings or? Is it messaging, hearings, and we're going to develop an American strategy at some point down the road? On the, just quickly on the bipartisanship, I, I will say uh, Speaker McCarthy set the tone for that. And that was the message that he, he and Minority Leader Jeffries communicated that to the extent possible, we want Congress to speak with one voice on that, on this issue. Now, that being said, I'd be lying to you if I didn't admit there are serious differences between the parties um, on this issue. Two stand out, right? Uh, the relative prioritization of climate change. I think it's fair to say for Democrats and for the left, uh, there are many who believe that climate change is our biggest national security issue. In fact, the Biden 
national security strategy effectively says that. Whereas I think Republicans are united in saying China itself is the biggest national security issue. And oh, by the way, like if you care about the environment, they are the worst possible actor imaginable. And therefore they shouldn't be looked to as a partner on climate change or any environmental issue. The second thing is, you know, on identity politics, there's this concern on the left that any criticism of the Chinese Communist Party amounts to anti-Asian racism. And we've tried to be very careful in terms of the rhetoric we've used on the committee to ensure that that is just a ridiculous charge and no one can accuse us of McCarthyism. Uh, But those are kind of the two persistent differences. We've to your actual question, though, we've released uh, a report that was bipartisan, unanimous on the military competition, the the 10 things we could do this Congress to enhance deterrence in the Indo-Pacific. We've done a report on the human rights aspect of the competition, particularly how to combat things like the ongoing genocide in Xinjiang, which, by the way, uh, these uh, a lot of these um, Arab countries who are criticizing Israel right now are shockingly silent when it comes to the Chinese Communist Party's genocide of Muslims uh, in China, which infuriates me. We are right now working through uh, an economic and technological report that we will hope to have finalized by the end of this year. And then next year, we will continue to investigate various aspects of this relationship, but we're going to focus on A, getting these recommendations implemented into law, and then B, perhaps taking a like a longer term look at this competition. So if these reports amount to the things we can do now in the 118th Congress, even a divided government, I think next year we could tee up the things that the next president could do over the next five years or 10 years or illuminate aspects of the competition like the space race with China, China's influence in Latin America or or, um, uh, issues related to synthetic biotech, which just haven't gotten enough attention uh, that they deserve. Okay, so I have so many things popping in my head based on on what you say, and I, I do want to get to uh, China and Latin America because I think that's really important. But so Joe Biden's going to meet with uh, Chairman Xi, I, I think next week, right? Uh, okay. oh, this is it this week, and um, and then Governor Newsom was just in China, and there was a very fascinating article. I don't know if you saw it, uh, Congressman, by uh, someone on Substack called. Uh, Balaji, Balaji, uh, where he basically said that Newsom going to China is sort of a foreshadowing or an early sign of what the Democrat plan is with China, that they realize that we are on the path potentially to, to World War III, as you said, and that what they have decided is to basically have a pact with the Chinese, an economic pact. And that they also agree on issues of censorship, that they will partner on that as well. And that if that happens, the losers, of course, will be freedom-loving Chinese um, people who want more freedom in China and and conservative Americans. And that's those are going to be the losers if the Democrats and the Chinese find some sort of, of, of way to, to avoid World War III by integrating more. Um, talk to me about that theory? And then what would be a different way of handling China uh, versus versus that? Well, what's interesting, if you just assume, which is a safe assumption, that Gavin Newsom desperately wants to be president. Um, he does. And you just sort of and analyze. The, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, the politics of this, I don't understand. I, I actually thought the smarter move for him 
would be to position him. Again, I'm just talking about the political analysis. Position themselves as tougher on China in the way that some members of my committee um, who uh, may run for president in the future, like Ro Khanna, have actually done and thereby tap into sort of the economic populist argument. And a lot of the Reagan Democrats and Trump Democrats, which voted for Trump in 2016 in Wisconsin, who think China's waging economic warfare against us. So the fact that he's chosen the opposite tack and he his trip to to Beijing was I mean, it was egregious. I, I mean, I've been very critical of Biden for his revival of diplomatic and economic engagement. But Newsom's trip made like Biden look like Bismarck with levels of real politique. I mean, it was just like fawning. He talked about how we can't we can't have a divorce with China and, you know, re regurgitating all these talking points about we need to work with China on climate change. I mean, I can guarantee you Xi Jinping does not care about climate change commitments made at COP26, COP27. And so I, I've been very disappointed in uh, Governor Newsom's approach. Uh, I also can, don't can think I, it may, Yeah, go ahead, please. Can I just say, this is what I think happened, though. I yeah. think Gavin Newsom is like the face of the globalists, right? The globalists actually have spoken, you know, Bill Gates and others, they speak very fawningly mm-hmm. of... of uh, Xi Jinping and they they admire his ability to, you know, say that we're going to do this and he doesn't have to wait for the democratic process to happen. Also, they have this fantasy that you talked about with climate change as well. So it seems like it's sort of like he's he doesn't want to appeal to the uh, elites right now. He, I mean, to the populace, he's now sort of appealing to the elites and saying, I can make this happen. Maybe that's a way to get, you know, donors um, and get more support. I, I don't know what that is. But it seems like that 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 seems well, like more like it. Yeah, there's certainly very powerful interests uh, on Wall Street in, okay. in corporate America in the C-suites of every major Fortune 500 company that want nothing more than to go back to the status yes. quo pre-Trump, which is this idea that okay, if we just more thoroughly uh, economically engage with China. And if we build more like Disney theme parks in Beijing, and if like, you know, we can get more American movies into China, then they will moderate their behavior and we'll have, we will reduce the risk of conflict and war. Okay. The problem with that is that we really tested that hypothesis for over 20 years. I mean, both parties mm-hmm. did and it failed spectacularly because it misunderstands the nature of the regime we're dealing with this, this Marxist Leninist regime for whom like party power is everything. Regime survival is everything. You know, the other interesting thing is people in that world, like in Newsom's world, in the Wall Street world, they tend to think the idea that Xi Jinping would actually invade Taiwan is, 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 is outlandish. I had the, an asset manager, like one of the most famous in the world in my office saying the risk of Xi invading Taiwan is zero. And I thought, well, okay, um, it's definitely a non-zero number. I don't know the precise probability, but (laughs) like like one of the lessons of Ukraine is that when dictators tell you they're going to do a thing, even if it seems irrational from a Western perspective or like an economic perspective, you should take it seriously. And so this level of naivety has really dangerous consequences. And I, and I do think satisfies the literal definition of insanity because we've tested it before and it's failed. We'll have more of this conversation after this. 
Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. And I, I look at that. That's part of the problem. Um, American elites that are doing business in China to keep doing business in China, they get rich. Their families yes. get incredibly rich. All the while they sell out the homeland and America gets poor and loses this conflict. Uh, I want to talk to you about two things, Mike. Um, number one, I've, you mentioned that there's still a tremendous amount of intellectual property theft coming from China in the U.S. How do we deal with that? Yeah. And also on the military side, which you're an expert on, um, I, I think I'm correct in this, the, the Chinese Navy is now bigger than the U.S. Navy. Um, and if you start to see their, their, their military might grow, all of a sudden that emboldens a country to do things that they may otherwise not do if they do think there's another country there that may want to check them like the U.S. So what do we have to do militarily? What do we have to do uh, in regard to American technology to protect the, 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 the advancements that we make with a hard-earned investment dollars, taxes, revenue from companies that China just steals and gets for free? Well, first of all, I want to say I was worried when I served with you in Congress that your commitment to flannel and plaid was just a, <laughs> an affectation that as soon as you left, you know, you'd be wearing like an Armani shirt, but... <laughs> The fact that you're wearing it still <laughs> tells me you are true blue Northwest Northwoods, oh. Wisconsin. So it, this is a twenty this is a twenty-four dollar Wrangler shirt, Mike Gallagher. So I love it. There man. you have it. Yeah. I don't my, have your my view is if I like cannot you. purchase it at Costco for less than thirty dollars, then it, it does not deserve to be in my closet. Um, <laughs> this was online. Online yeah, purchase twenty four bucks. Free shipping too. Made in China. Probably. Yeah, probably. Well played. Yeah. Bring it back to um, Well played. <laughs> so on the on, just I'll do military first, then IP. So yes, they have by ship count. They have the biggest they technically they have the three biggest navies in the world if you count their maritime militia and their Coast Guard. Now, when you say this, the Navy will say, okay, but our our Navy is better. It has more capability, which is true. Like our average uh -huh. sailor is more experienced. Our ships are more capable, but two things. Their like latest destroyers are very advanced. They're Luyangs, they're Renhais, and so they're, they're closing the capability gap. And then secondly, the actual numbers matter. The old saying is at some point, quantity has a quality all of its own. If you examine like the last 2000 years of naval battles, it's very rare for a numerically inferior, though technically superior Navy to beat a Navy that has more ships. And oh, by the way, our Navy, though great, hasn't fought a major naval battle since World War II. So we, uh -huh. we, we don't know like how good we are at that type of engagement right now. How do we catch up? Well, we need a bigger Navy. You know, Trump 
promise of 355 ship Navy. We got to get there. We got our, our shipbuilding industrial base is brittle. It's broken. If we had a consistent demand signal from the Pentagon, I think we could fix that. We'd start to build um, two frigates a year in Wisconsin, four total in a second shipyard. We need 2.5 Virginia class subs a year, yada, 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 massive shipbuilding investment. But really, we need long range precision fires. We need to do to them what they've done to us, which is for a relatively small amount of money, they've built a lot of rockets and missiles that can sink our ships. Now that we're no longer bound by something called the INF Treaty, which Trump got out of, it was a good move. We should be we should be surging these types of long range precision fires to the Pacific to be able to sink their entire Navy if they made a move against Taiwan quickly. Are we are we? um, No, interestingly, even even though we've seen how fragile and insufficient our munitions industrial base is after the Ukraine fiasco. We still haven't moved to maximum production wow. rates of things like long-range anti-ship missile. Um, why, why not? It, uh, there is resistance. Uh, two things. Um, the Secretary of Defense has not made the case personally and relegated it to lower levels, which is just, it's not going to happen. The Pentagon bureaucracy is so bad that unless the, the Secretary himself makes it a priority, it, things don't change. And two, in Congress, as you know, the appropriators have a lot of power. The appropriators don't like providing multi-year funding for certain things, but you really need multi-year appropriations mm. in order to turbocharge the production of these things. And we have shortages of things like um, the energetics, which are the uh, explosives and pyrotechnics and propellants that we put into our missile systems. In some, China has, A, stole the technology we developed uh, at China Lake in California, and B, uh, we're dependent on China for the production of some of these things, which is totally crazy. Like, totally so crazy. Quickly on IP, so um, my view is that if, if it continues and, and the costs are on the order of $300 billion a year uh, wow. to us, and, and if China continues not to abide by the commitments it made when we let them into the WTO and gave them permanent normal trade relations, we should revoke PNTR. Uh, and and modernize our tariff structure in the process to impose real penalties uh, on them because the present mm. situation is absurd and has real costs. Okay, talk to me about Latin America. I've been so worried. And, and also just, it's not just that China's in Latin America, but that our State Department and our administration is actively hurting and, and pushing away pro-American uh, administrations and, and regimes in Latin America and propping up the ones that are aligning themselves with China it makes like zero sense. Um, so what concerns you about their takeover of minerals and ports and everything else? Just where you say Brazil would, would be one. Brazil, um, but there are others. Um, there was Guiana. There was also um, in, in Paraguay. And, and, our, and there's just all over, even in Central America, where those leaders that are pro-American have expressed to people that I know that um, th- that are intimately involved in that area, that they get rejected by this administration. The administration cozies up to pro-China, uh, to, to pro-China Marxist leftist regimes because they agree with them on abortion and LGBTQ. But at okay. the same time, they're they're also pro-China. Also, the other thing I heard uh, from other from from people involved in commerce, Americans involved in commerce, say our State Department is doing nothing to advance commerce, which would be a great thing between America no. and Latin America. And instead, all they care about is abortion, LGBTQ, and pushing all this other stuff, which actually a lot of those countries don't want. Which, by the way, like, let's say LGBTQ issues is your main thing. Like, China is not great on that. Like, yeah. China is, 
terrible. Okay, or it's the one environment of the most, or any of those. Yeah, things. exactly. I like, know. Tennis I know. This party know. is not tolerant uh, on those issues uh, at all. Um, so in Latin America, well, one like a broad observation. Um, I just tend to think like while the Middle East gets a lot of attention and now the Indo-Pacific gets a lot of attention, at least in like the national security community, like in Congress and the think tank world, Latin America has always not gotten as we've taken it for granted. Right. Like yeah. we think the Monroe Doctrine still exists. You know, we're, we're fortunate in that we have like oceans on both sides of our country. We've had, you know, neighbors that while some have problems, i.e. Mexico, and we have a problem with our southern border are like relatively, you know, they're not a threat to us. And thus, we've just neglected it as an area of focus and and priority. And consequently, the Chinese Communist Party is on a path to turn the Monroe Doctrine into the Mao Doctrine, to surpass the United yes. States as the regional power in Latin America. You mentioned Brazil. Uh, China has become the top trading partner of Brazil, Chile, huh? Peru. It's the second largest trading partner for many others. It's going around to all these countries and forcing them via economic coercion to uh, eliminate their recognition of Taiwan. I think Paraguay yes. and the Dominican Republic maybe are the only huh? ones left in the region. I would argue, and this is Sean's area of expertise, that they're trying to replace the dollar as the global currency. Uh, and yeah. they've, you know, they made a They've made various deals in the region with that in mind. Um, they're trying to gain control of critical infrastructure, ports in particular. Right. There's one Chinese company, ZPMC, which has like 90% market share for all the smart cranes uh, around the world. And, and, and relatedly, they're trying to become the dominant player in the Panama Canal, bypassing the United States. The final thing I'd say, since you mentioned some of these regimes that the administration is like cozying up to right now, I think a lot of that is related to just how stupid and counterproductive our energy policy is right now. You know, we yes. saw early on in the Biden administration this ridiculous effort to uh, wage war on American domestic energy production uh -huh. while simultaneously, like, encouraging Venezuela to, like, increase its energy production. So if we don't have a sensible energy policy, it, it completely complicates our ability to make sense of Latin America and other areas of the world. And at times I've looked at this administration's energy policy and thought Xi Jinping himself couldn't design a better yes. energy policy to inhibit America at, and, yes. and allow China to expand its influence. A uh, uh, 100%. They're call, by the way, they're colonizing Latin America like they are doing, like they've done to Africa. And it, it's happening before our eyes and nobody's, you know, sounding the alarm other than you and a few others. Um, okay, yeah, a couple minutes left. Okay, so Can I, I want to know. Parenting question. Yes, like, that's uh, what I thought it would be really fun. What's what? Okay, all right. Okay, 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 no, okay. go, go, go. It does come. It does come back to Joe Biden. You're going to give us two more minutes. Yeah. Joe Biden. I mean, what if you have a president that loves their country, that wants their country to succeed, advance, be prosperous, have more jobs, and they see China? I mean, anyone can look at China and see China as a threat. And I look at what Joe Biden's doing. I'm He's like, compromised, isn't this he? This guy doesn't have my back. He's he doesn't have my neighbor's back. And that troubles me. And I wonder, and I, 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 if you don't want to talk about, you know, all of the investigations I and as Rachel mentioned, compromised. Is but he compromised? Is that why he's I don't have this? any other explanation as to why he's not stronger on China than but for he is compromised. Well, I think there's yes. there's two other, there's two other things that are that are tr regardless of where you like think the status of Comer's investigation and Comer, I think, deserves credit for unearthing yes. a lot of things that we didn't know two years ago. And now it's still there's more to come in terms of the latest subpoenas he unearthed. And Andy McCarthy had a good National Review article kind of like summarizing the whole thing. 
Um, one, Biden just had like throughout his whole career uh, to quote uh, the former Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates, has been wrong on every major foreign policy issue. Uh-huh. So he just has bad judgment on foreign that, policy. That, that right? was not he, the language he actually used. He was a little, little uh, uh, more forceful in the language. Well, he used, did, but yes, that was good, a sentiment. No. I, I, this is a Catholic podcast, I assumed. I didn't yes. want to have to go to church <laughs> afterwards. Uh, well, yeah, like he's the only guy who argues against like killing bin Laden, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The list is very, is very long. Um, and then uh, he's just he's weak, right? He's a weak commander in chief. It gives me no joy to say this, by the way, for all the reasons no. you, you lay out. But and part of that, I, I have to say, is just his age. Right. Biden like Biden is is so old. He's not even a boomer. He's he's a member of the silent generation. Like he is older uh-huh. than the People's Republic of China itself. And I'm sorry, like this is the most demanding job in the world. And he's just not up for it. I mean, I, yeah. like I know that's is he not compromised in your view. Uh, I don't I honestly don't know the answer to that question right now. Um, I, I do think the the idea, the, the, the payments lining up like where it's precisely is 10 percent is like a glaring thing. You know, yes. clearly his son is compromised. Right. Um, like in, in a myriad of ways. Uh, I'm not yet ready to say, given right. the investigations ongoing, that what laws were broken. Um, but but if you're trying to protect your like son, if you're trying to protect your son, it's one of the swampiest like families yeah. in in American politics. Right. I mean, in a, it's very just sw- in a very swampy town. They are the swampiest of the swamp. Yeah. I would I sort of said, like, but, if if they if, if the things they did weren't illegal, they should be illegal. Right. Like this type of influence peddling <laughs> yes. should not be allowed. Right. Like and clearly Hunter mm-hmm. Biden was trading off of his relationship with his father. There's no other logical explanation for uh-huh. for what like, you know, for for him getting on the board of companies or getting a massive payment from China. So, well, wait, now I get well, to ask you la- Yeah. You laid out you laid out such such uh, you know, so much concern over China that it's just we shouldn't even have to ask these questions about our commander yeah. chief because then we're not we're just not we don't know if what he's doing is on the up and up. Okay, let's talk Let's talk about your most vexing. Uh, first of all, what's the biggest change for you as you've had kids? Because we knew you before kids. Yeah. And now we know you after. What has been the biggest sort of thing you didn't expect? I think we knew you before marriage. Oh, we, yeah. No, yes. no, no. We yeah, knew I you when you were single. single. Man. I was a yeah. single man yeah. for three you or four like years. You were like the most eligible yeah. bachelor in Washington, D.C. Which is not like, it's not great. You, you're like, you don't, you can't really date normally, you know, like yeah. you have microscope. It was just such a weird existence. Um, Maybe you heard on the hill. Yeah. Trying to talk to a lady at a bar. Yeah. It's, that's not great. Uh, yeah. Very, yeah. What's uh, the biggest Gallagher change? has no game. Newsflash. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I get, I mean, the, the most obvious thing is true. Like, you know, just being away from your family, particularly with young kids, yeah. is it's incredibly hard. Um, and my wife, God bless her, like, you know, I, every week when I leave, she then has to deal with these uh, uh, little kids. And if I say, well, uh, Sean and Rachel had like 20 kids and they did it, then I just make the situation then you're getting more trouble. worse. <laughs> but you know, what's interesting to me right now, what I'm grappling with is my oldest is only three. So she just started. Preschool, but I'm like the level of involvement I need to have in their education, um, just given everything we know about like the the school system and like that concerns me. And I I don't know what the the precise question is, but how did you guys 
navigate that because you can't outsource your child's formation and education to your school, even if it's a great school. And so that's kind of like what I'm struggling with, like how to be present and particular, like play a more active role in their education. That makes sense. Well, it was a journey for us and I, and we made some mistakes. We always say the best part about having nine kids is that you get a lot of do-overs. Mm -hmm. And so I guess my advice to you very clearly, I'm going to be very direct because we're friends, is, um, you know, as soon as you can find a classical school, what Christian or Catholic classical school, do it wherever you have to move um, to be close to one, do it. We're finally in one and it is mm. a game changer. And so I do think that they're, they're eventually your child will, your children will be in a school for eight hours and it is very formative. And I, I mean, unless you're homeschooling, which I think is a great option as well. But if you're going to send them to school, make sure that you, they, that that school is not fighting you on your values that because they, your kids will yeah. be influenced by what happens there. So. And I, just, and I, and I would say, um, and I, and I made this, I make this comment a lot. I was in Congress um, and you, you, you have a, way better spot than I ever had. I mean, a lot of power. Um, and you have a great voice to talk about what's happening with the U.S. and China. And it's a wonderful spot, but it's really hard, as you'd probably acknowledge, to get things done, to get people yeah. to agree, to get something through the Senate, to have the president sign it. And I find that the, the greatest work that I can do, the most effective work I can do is raise good kids. Yeah. Um, and if I do that and you do that and all these conservatives do that, um, we save America, but if we turn them over to these these Marxists in the school system, uh, we lose. And just one one point, I just I, I'm glad you mentioned that you leave because I think that a lot of people don't don't uh, look at the member of Congress as hard workers and it's this fluffy job. And I don't think they realize that you leave you leave on Monday or Tuesday. You're back on you know Friday. You're going on the weekend doing parades or fairs or dairy breakfast. You're going a lot, and you don't get to be home with your kids. Um, for long periods of time. And it really is a sacrifice. And the whole family does it. Um, your wife sacrifices, she picks up the the um, the baton when you're gone. I would say, though, it's probably easier when they're younger yeah. to, to take this time away. I think when they start getting a little bit older, that gets to be more challenging. So I think you're in a money spot of if you're going to do it with kids, um, now is the time to do it. And I just say, we know older guys in Congress, the kids are older. Um, that actually is a pretty good deal. Young, young kids. You mean when they're out of the house? Yeah. 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 The house. That. Well, that you're would be, the, that would the allow work. like, you know, there's a lot of interesting things that like she could take part in if we were totally. in a different period of our life. You know what I mean? Which yeah. we can't, you know, it's interesting. A quick thought on homeschooling me. I, I didn't, I grew up, I just went to Catholic school. Homeschooling was this like totally foreign thing to me. And I thought like, well, you can't homeschool. You don't get to, you know, meet kids and play sports and, now, post pandemic, like I'm so much more sympathetic to it than I ever oh, was. Sure. And I, I, though I'm not sure we'll go that direction, I can totally see why people do it. it it's not for everybody. I always say that I'd be like the homeschool mom. Do you remember those stories where they drown their kids? <laughs> I'm still like, that would be me. <laughs> but both of my oldest, my two oldest daughters have all said that they want to homeschool. And I'm super proud. And one of our, our daughters is actually studying classical education. And, and Mike, we, we we were in Wausau, as you know, and went sent our kids to Catholic school. And we thought it was like, it's better than the public school. Yeah. And we came to New Jersey, sadly, and I miss my Wisconsin all the time. But we found the most amazing Catholic school. We didn't know what we had in Wisconsin until awesome. we got here. And we're like, this is, this is actually how it's done. And I don't know what you guys have in the Green Bay area, but I would agree with Rachel. That is, that is so important. And again, 
does does you know pre-K matter? Does kindergarten matter? But you start to get into. I mean, they're they're hitting our kids really young on climate change and yeah. um, the gender stuff at you know first, second, third grade, well, especially know, if they're in public school. I know we're at time. Sometimes yeah, I mean, in Catholic school. Yeah. The other thing that drives me crazy is like I, I feel like these kids are all oh like I like the idea of the classical school eight hours the structure. But the thing that is weird to me is like all the extracurriculars I feel like have gotten out of control. Like these kids totally. are so overscheduled. Totally. With all these activities. And I'm like, you need some time just to like go in the woods and like hundred percent. You know, I don't know. I, I with you, we've had we've done podcasts on this, uh, uh Mike. We've done Congress uh, we've 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 Is Jill and Rachel Honestly, get on a good side. I literally like, said, the schedule, there's too much stuff I'm going on. Then just puts it I'm like, you know what? You're not that talented. I see your go kids do the log rolling. Your kids can do the yeah. log rolling but, thing. That was pretty you know impressive. What? Sports are important, and, and there's team building, there's individual yeah, there's accomplishments. There's a, really, there's a lot of really wonderful things, but some of these kids are like, they're, they're, they're playing hockey year round, or they're playing lacrosse year round, or soccer. I'm like, your kid's not going anywhere. Dinner time yeah. is way more yeah. important. Dinner time together. And that's totally. a, that's the last thing I would say is make sure you make a, as much time, even if it's just Saturday and Sunday or just Sunday, but dinner time is... It, is Dad's always home on Sunday. He might, he might be gone on Saturday um, and Monday, but go. Sunday he's home. Uh, but Mike Gallagher, listen, we appreciate you sit, you staying like eight minutes longer than you're supposed to. Oh my to. gosh, he's um, late, late for some lunch. Cheering you're I'm missing right you. now. Yeah. I, I, blame Rachel. Uh, she has broad shoulders, broader than mine. You're doing such great work. We're so proud of you. Yeah, great to talk to you guys. Appreciate it. So, take Thank it easy. You. Take God care. Bless. Bye. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. So listen, Rachel, great conversation. And you know what I think that people don't always see? He's on Fox quite a bit. He's a funny guy, a yeah. really nice guy. So when I was, we were both in Congress together, we would, we would do um, these events where our districts would cross or we'd be in different places where we'd both come in. Always one of the funniest speakers uh, <laughs> when he's, you know, when he's addressing, addressing a crowd. And then he's always very serious and very smart, um, very knowledgeable. But he has, he's a really well-rounded, uh, good guy. And you know what? I'm happy that he's the head of the, the China Select Committee. Because he has, he has the military background. Um, he's worked in Congress before. He was a member of Congress. That all matters to be successful. Um, and again, the effort to make this bipartisan is really important. You can't, you can't make China a partisan issue. It truly is an American issue. Yeah, it's interesting how he sees those Democrats on the committee who do care about it. And then you look at Joe Biden, you look at Governor Newsom, you look at a lot, a lot of other ones 
who say, you know what, the corporate pool, like you said, so glad you brought up the amount of money. Um, so it seems like, oh, are, are these corporations just being, you know, and, and are these corporate heads just being so good natured that they do think that China can, or are they wanting to believe this no. because they're making so much money and they can't stand the idea of decoupling from China because that means the, the gravy train stops. And I think instead of making 15, 25 million a year, they might make 10 million a year or 8 million a year. It's like, really? You're selling your country out. You're not rich enough. Right. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I think he has very clear view of what's happening. God knows what kind of information he has. You know, Sean, there's one other thing that this weekend we had Maria Bartiromo on. We talked, you and I have talked a lot about the 24,000 that we know of. Chinese citizens that we know of that have come across the southern border. And there's more, they said, coming from the northern border. We don't even know how many. And she said to me, um, on this was when she was on our, our show at the end of the show on Sunday. And she said, you know, Rachel, there, oh, you can't just leave China. Like, you will only go with permission to, to go. And she's like, why are they here? Who's directing them? That's right. Are they, she was saying that if there's a possibility that they're here and they're awaiting orders of what has to happen, you know, uh, you know, what, what, what the Chinese communist government wants them to do. We don't know why they're here in, um, in Mich- in Maine, there's, they have discovered this, you know, Chinese mar- uh, these Chinese, um, that are running these pot farms, you know, um, and she's, and it's like a mafia thing. And, um, I had on another guest, and he's a former DEA agent. One of the ones who said that the fentanyl crises was at, that we're dealing with right now is absolutely like the cartels are making money. China's not just doing it for money. They understand that it's actually um, weakening our country. And the same thing with the pot, that this pot is laced with all kinds of other chemicals. Those chemicals come from China. They're involved. And he said the number of, of psychotic episodes that young people or anyone who's doing the, the increase of, of drug use in our country and, and marijuana is that gateway drug. He said it's absolutely meant to take down our country. You know, what, what Mike mentioned climate change and, and the Biden administration has said this numerous times that they think that climate change is the number one threat that America faces and the world faces. And if you look at China, they might they might give lip service yeah. They might play along, but or they'll make they, money from the products. They don't the, 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 believe the, that for a totally. second. And so, if you actually care about the climate, you should care about American dominance, America's American strength, because we do things with better rules, better regulations. Still, too many regulations, no doubt, but we still have good rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to think that you would outsource if we lose this conflict with China outsource it to China, who only cares about power and control, that's bad for the climate. And that, that that's not a complicated thought, that these guys don't think through the fact that the climates were, if you believe, by the way, I, I think that a lot of this is just a hoax. Um, but if you do believe it, you'd go, well, no, America has to win this struggle with China, but instead they want to sell our soul to China. So I think it's not only climate change, because climate change always comes back to this globalist Marxist movement, it comes to a movement of control. And so I think they use climate change, not for the climate, but they use it to totally. get us closer to the rules, regulations, the-, the And to the, make us dependent on them, Sean. I mean, the we're surveillance, dependent. 
and we're dependent of, of on China. them. That's right. Um, and so, so if you go to EV batteries and the 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 the, the components inside the EV ba- battery, the minerals, the um, the things, th- those things are all China. You know, China. We have to get them from China. So they so own, we become they, dependent. They, they own most of the mines, but then almost all of the refining of the critical minerals happens in China. Um, it's ridiculous. By the way, you, met, you mentioned what they're doing in the U.S. We did the story. Gosh, it must be like six months ago on Fox Business. Uh, the bottom line. Uh, with Dagan and Duffy, which if you don't watch it, you should. 6 p.m. Eastern. 6 p.m. Eastern. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a, there was a secret lab. Uh, I think it was in California. Yes, there were several of them, Sean. And we the, like a, in a small town, and they stumbled upon this building that had some vents coming out, and someone was like, "What's going on in there?" And so the law enforcement went, knocked on the door, and they opened it up, and it was like a complete underground Chinese lab run by all Chinese individuals. A couple of days later, when they came back with search warrants, like almost the whole place had been cleared out and everybody evaporated into the fabric of America. So and, and, we have Sean, no idea what they're doing in this country. How Mike can... Gallagher was at the forefront of those police, the Chinese police stations. Do you remember? Yes. Do you remember that? We could ask him about that. But yeah, there were there were secret police stations so that the Chinese could monitor their citizens that are here, probably those 24,000 that we were talking about and many more that are here. But there has been an 8,000 percent increase in Chinese coming across the southern border since Joe Biden's been in office. Um, that is, it's, it's just so mind boggling. Like, I, I can't believe it. And, and again, it's these are not they're not complicated solutions. Secure the border. Let's deport people who have come in illegally. Let's rebuild American military. He was he's right. We are. He said, I think his phraseology was um, our ability to, our infrastructure to build ships is fragile um, or brittle. And he's right. So you, you need to have long-term funding so we can actually build ships in America because what you don't want is to have to rely on Europe or the Chinese to build American ships. We need to make them here. And so they need to have orders that last you know, year over year, longer-term funding. And it's good for American strength and American deterrence. And the U.S. administration that won't build up our military, that our munitions are too low, that we actually have to get, it said, well, the, 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 I was going to say rocket fuel, but in essence, the rocket fuel uh, to launch our missiles, we get that from China. It was our technology mm-hmm. that they stole from us, and now we mm-hmm. buy it from them. All of these things mm-hmm. make you go, what the, What are we paying leaders for? Mm-hmm. What are they doing? So scary. And again, when you care about, you know, g- genders and transitions and being woke and rewriting American history in the military or in the Pentagon, this is the kind of garbage that you get that doesn't protect the homeland. And we spend a lot of money in taxes to have them think through to protect the homeland. And they're not doing it. Why was why was Mike so guarded about saying I and mean, I, I just to me, it's so obvious that Joe Biden's compromised his I mean, Ron Johnson has said his policy on and he, he had a, a list of five or six different China policies that make no sense if you love America. Um, that they only make sense if you're trying to appease the Chinese because you're compromised. Um, I mean, I, I get that he's, you know, I, I don't know. No, I, th- well, I think it's pretty simple. So I think there's a lot of smoke. We can speculate that Joe Biden is compromised. But could it just be he has really bad policies? He's really kind of stupid. Mm. He, he does mess everything up. And he has a history of sure, getting everything fair. wrong. And so I think Mike is saying, hey, it, it looks like this could be. But he's going to wait for all the evidence to come out. And he, I mean, he pointed but out. But if your son is compromised, he said Hunter is compromised. The question is, 
you know, we're starting to see these, t- this t- these 10% payments. Are there more of them? Uh-huh. Is Joe, but if your child is compromised and you're the president, you're compromised because no. we have a natural instinct to protect our children. And if nothing else, you can see that he's keeping Hunter very, very close. Oh, and actually living in the White House. Uh, with cocaine. I, with cocaine. That's right. I was going to say the same thing. Cocaine. You think of ice. The cocaine. But if you don't know whose cocaine it was, that, that, invest, that investigation slid to the wayside. America's forgot about the cocaine investigation or, or where it came from. They come from the coke, the cokehead in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. I like Mike too. That's, it, it makes it Wisconsin proud. He's, uh, he's a good member of Congress uh, who's thoughtful and doing the hard work. So um, listen, thank you all. Thank Mike, thanks to Mike Gallagher. Thank you all for joining us at the kitchen table. We love this conversation. Good uh, American leaders joining us. If you like a podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. You can always find us at foxnewspodcasts.com. Please subscribe. Get a notice when we drop Wednesday, Thursday, and Fridays. You can always find us. Um, new episodes. Uh, until next time, thank you for joining us. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.